before uh, we begin, I just want to say to everybody, this is kind of a a season of of transition uh, as people are going to different schools and things like that. I know Claire was mentioning she's starting community college this week, and I know Robbie Robbie is as well. Uh, Also, this is Angelia's last Sunday with us. She's going to Pepperdine uh, this week. And I turned out fine, I guess, so that's all right. I, I, I did as well. For anybody who's going through a time of transition, maybe it's going to middle school after elementary or to high school, I know it can be intimidating. I remember myself walking those halls and being in those situations for the first time. So let me just offer a word of prayer over everybody who's in that season right now. God, we're thankful for the education that is available to us, and uh, we are thankful for the opportunity to uh, learn and the blessing that that is. I pray over all of our uh, students who are going to be going back to school maybe already, but the, those of the students who are starting something new this week, uh, I pray that they would uh, remember that they are yours and that they would act like that, that they would act as your children. Father, we, we love all of these students and we pray over them as they are like our children. They're like our kids. We're rooting so much for them. Help, uh, help them to know that they can come to us during a time of need and help them to know that we're here to, to support them as their family whenever they need it. And I pray that they would be willing to raise their hand and let us know when they have a time of need. So Father, just be with them. I'd be with all people involved in the school system and the different ways that people uh, are involved in our church community. I pray that you would just move through everybody and that they would have a wonderful year, uh, some in transition year, but some just continuing on where they're at. Help everybody to have a wonderful school year this year. In your son's name I pray, amen. We're continuing our series called Love in Christ, where we've been slowly going through First uh, John together and thinking through the implications uh, that this has for our lives. We're going to be doing this for the next uh, few weeks. It's, it's almost, almost over. We're going to take a kind of a large uh, chunk uh, this morning. Uh, we'll start with First uh, John chapter 4, verse 13, and get it through uh, chapter 5, verse 5. But let me go ahead and, and read that for you right now. This is how we know that we live in him and he's in us. He's given us of his spirit. And we've seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Go ahead and say that with me. God is love. There's one verse you should memorize. It should be that one. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loves us. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So John continues writing on a very similar theme that he's written really the entire book, love. If you were to sum up what the book of First John is about, it's love, a lot of love, like love, 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 love. This is what it means, that, that God has, has loved the world, and so you go love other people. And this is a pretty practical thing. He says, like, if you think that you can love God, who is this mysterious spirit being who's outside of us, if you think that you love God, but you don't love Tom over there, 
you got a problem. Because Tom, hopefully there's no one named Tom in here. I love you, Tom. But if there is a Tom who's difficult for you to love, yeah, it's, it's way easier to be like, oh yeah, God, I love you. You're just this being that I can just do whatever. But like, it's really hard for me to actually love a flesh and bone person, right? That's what John is calling us out on, that you can say, you know, well, I, I'm just going to love God and press him to God. Okay, then love your neighbors. Love the person sitting next to you. Love that hard-to-love person. <clears throat> I think heaven's going to be a rude awakening for a lot of us, that we're going to get there and go, I can't believe he's here. And then people will see you and say, well, how did you get in, right? I mean, it's going to be like both ways. I'll be like, how did Brian get here? What, what on earth? Like, I, I don't know, how, how did that happen? And it's because... The love of God is, is for all people, and it isn't the, the way that we would define it. So John really throws the gauntlet down and says, okay, like, uh, quiet time is important, meditating, prayer, that stuff is really important. But if all you're doing is just trying to turn your heart towards loving God, that has some implications at some point for your life. That it turns into loving your neighbors differently. It turns into understanding God differently. Because God, very simply, is love. And I have to tell you that this sort of life is just a way better way to live. And I'm not perfect at this, even though I'm a minister, you might think I am, but I'm definitely not. But there are moments when I get to participate because of my ministry in the love of God, and it is just such a blessing for me. This week with Family Promise, as, as I mentioned, it's just a, a great opportunity for us to host some homeless families and be able to bless nine kids in four different family units uh, who are falling on some hard times and just need a little bit of help. And it's not just like, oh, it's so nice for us to do that, or, you know, you should probably do that. You should feel guilty if you didn't go. No, it's not that. It's an invitation into a better life. I got to hang out with some of those families, and I was playing basketball with a couple of them one night, and uh, I was a little bit on my game, I'll say, and one of them said, white boy got a jumper. Like, he's like, my boy got, white boy got a stroke, and I wasn't having a stroke. Uh, it was a way of saying, man, this, this guy's got a shot, and, and I told my uh, sister and all that, and she said, you probably want that on your tombstone. And the answer is yes. Like... Some of you are going to be alive when I die. Yes, put that on my tombstone. White boy got a stroke. Like that, that, is, a, that is a thank you, Simon. Simon's got, got me covered. Uh, it's just a blessing to love other people, to, to just try and show the love of God to people. And it's a challenging, and I'm not always perfect at that, but when you get to do it, it's just fun. I love the diversity of our church, the different generations that we have together. I love the, just the different backgrounds that we have that we bring together. It's such a, an awesome way for us to show the love of God. Just as, as Jamie's going to go work in Thailand, we get the opportunity to gather around a table and show each other the love of God. And John just throws the gauntlet down. You can't just be like spiritual and just like loving God without actually loving people. I think Today, we've talked about this concept, but today there's this idea that you're just going to be tolerant and loving of everyone. But the problem with that, and it's kind of a good idea on its surface, but loving everyone everywhere means you don't love any actual real people anywhere. That you're just this person who, oh, I just, you know, I just love everybody. Okay, well, go do it. If you love everybody, go do something about it. Get to know your neighbor, perhaps. Talk with somebody who's, who's hard for you to talk to. Break down some barriers. 
John says, you, you can't just think about this and like dwell on God. Yeah, it's easy to love an invisible being. But I challenge you to love real people. Because God is love. Then he continues, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is that that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Of God. And he uses that term son of God, which to us is more of like a theological term that Jesus is God's son. But back in that day, it was much more of a political term because the Caesars of Rome, they declared themselves that they were like in the line of the divine. The Caesars who would rule Rome would have these ways of saying like, really, I am a son of of God. They would use that term to describe themselves. So we think of it theologically, like this is the relationship of Jesus um, to, to God. But this is a very political thing that John is saying here. He's saying, hey, hey, I know that that Caesar over there says that like, he is from divinity, like he is from God. But Jesus is inviting you into a different kind of reality. The way that Rome ruled was called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. And the Peace of Rome, you could put air quotes around the Peace of Rome, because the Peace of Rome was brought about by a sword. The Peace of Rome was, let's go conquer a people group and basically beat them into submission, and then now we have peace. That peace isn't really all that satisfying. I wouldn't even really necessarily call it peace. That was the term that was used to describe that the peace of Rome came at the end of a sword. And the problem with that kind of peace is it's not all that peaceful because you're always looking over your shoulder, right? You might conquer somebody one day and then you've got to live a little bit with fear and anxiety because you don't know when they're coming back or when someone else might be mad. The peace of Rome, in many ways, was a myth. And so for John to say the Son of God, he's saying that Jesus is inviting you into a different kind of reality. A peace that is going to like, go further and, and live longer than Rome itself. And they couldn't have even imagined the fall of Rome during that time. A peace that will outlive the United States. A peace that will outlive any cultural institution, the things that we can create, the peace of God, John is saying, is how we truly overcome the world. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the true Son of God. So live like that's true. And he says a passage that we might struggle with a little bit in the way that we think of things. Uh, the term that he uses might be translated in your Bible, obey his commands or, or keep his commands, which sounds like a song you might have sung in Bible school uh, back in the day, you know, keeping his commands. I think we, we struggle with that a little bit. If you're a manager and you say to somebody at your office, like, I command you to bring me the status report, like, that's not going to go over very well, right? You're probably not going to manage that person uh, for very long. So we can struggle with, okay, this idea of, like, obedience, but a uh, uh, Translation that I think he's getting at because he continues to describe these commands as not burdensome, right? He's saying, like, this is, this is a light 
lighter way to live. A, a better way that I think you could translate that is, um, the, the word is teromen there, and the word that, the word can be translated basically like keep watch, be on guard. Obey and commands, it can sound like, you know, there's like a finger wagging, but keep watch on the teachings of Jesus because it will lead you to a less burdensome life. Keep watch on your heart. Keep watch that you would continue to align yourself with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not because God's going to like zap you in the end, but that God invites you into a better life, a lighter, less burdensome life. And if we think of, of keeping watch, it's like if I was convinced for whatever reason that just throwing this ball all the time was going to really bless me, I would do it all the time, right? I'd go everywhere, and I would keep a little bit of a peripheral vision on it to make sure that I didn't drop it, to make sure that I'm going to be okay if I sat down. I would keep doing it. You guys would probably find it annoying after a while, and I would invite you to like, oh, you don't understand how much it blesses you. But if I genuinely believed that this ball, somehow like throwing it in the air and keeping, i to be a little careful, uh, keeping it, like if I had this belief that this was the best way to live and this was like the most important thing and, you know, I'm going to have a good successful life or a really full life if I like keep focused and I'm going to watch the ball, right? And I'm going to talk to you when I can, but I'm going to keep an eye on the ball. If I was deeply convinced that this was the best way to live my life, I would have an understanding of where the ball is at all times. I mean, I'm not going to go like this, right? And just... I mean, you close your eyes, you take your eye off it for just a little bit, and you can catch it sometimes because you're a great athlete, but, <laughs> but most of the time, you're going to fail, right? And then things get really complicated, like when you're walking around and there's stairs. I'm not even going to do that because I would fall over. I mean, think about what that means. If you could toss me that, Sean, I'll, I'll make the catch. Yeah, really into this cult of a ball, so I really care about it. So if you believe, like with all your heart, that this was really important, this was going to lead you to the best possible life, and this was going to help you achieve your goals or to whatever it is, you would keep a constant watch on it, right? You wouldn't take your eyes off for very long. And I believe this is an illustration of what John is telling us to do. Do you believe, basically, that the way of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, is, like, the best way to live? Go ahead and answer that. Do you believe that? If you're not a Christian here, I'm so glad that you're here, but many of us probably are. And so we would probably say that. You know, I, I do believe that. Well, good. Do it then. Keep watch. Because you can go a lot of different directions. Keep an eye on what you're doing. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that this is the best way to live, then keep watch. Keep your eye on what's happening. 
I think the tone of, of this passage changes a bit when it feels more like an invitation, an invitation into a life that's, that's deeper and, and better. And I think it makes sense. Because if you've been part of a church for any amount of time, I would imagine that you were loved into church, right? Probably by somebody who wasn't in your family. Maybe it was a really dedicated family member, but it's likely that if you like, want to dedicate your life to God and want to pursue it, it's likely that someone at one point came alongside you and showed you in practical ways the love of God. I mean, they have the saying, you uh, catch more flies with honey than vinegar, right? I mean, that's, or they have other ones too, but that's how they say it. And you are attracted. If you, if you are a Christian, I imagine you were loved into it. That on, on some level, it wasn't that you, like, just were forced, that you saw that somebody who was a Christian came alongside you and showed you the love of God in practical ways. You were loved into participation. I think we need to continue that model and that mindset as we continue to try and live out our faith, that we are doing this because God is love. We're participating more fully in the life that God has called us to because God is love. We should be challenged to keep watch over our lives because our burdens get lighter. Because we serve a good Father. As we mature in faith, sometimes I think we can start to think that we've arrived at maybe a higher point uh, than somebody else, or, you know, you've been participating in this church community or participating in a lot of different ministries for all these years, we can start to get this, this mindset that it's like, I'm, I'm owed this, but God continues to say, this is a grace. It's a gift. When I was younger at this church, we had, uh, 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 for our Sunday morning Bible classes, uh, if you as a kid would do your memory verse or if you came with your Bible, you'd get tickets and then afterwards, you could go down to the ticket store and use your tickets to buy these little toys uh, that they had put out there. And it was a lot of fun. A group of us one time uh, saved all our tickets for three months, and uh, then we went and bought the entire store one day and sold them for a slightly higher price. We turned around and sold, sold the items and made, made some money um, like you do. But I remember that, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad that they uh, had the idea to motivate us to, to do that. But I think we can start to think of our Christian faith in that way, that, you know, I'm going to follow what God has for me, and I'm going to keep watch, so, like, immediately things are going to get better. You know, so then I'm going to get the tickets. I'm going to start accumulating them, which doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense because we followed a guy who died on the cross, right? We followed... We follow somebody who gave his life. And we, as Christians, believe that ultimately is the best way to live. So it isn't going to result all the time in an immediate positive thing, but we strive to love as God does because we serve a good Father. Because we serve a God who loves us. We serve a God who desires deeper relationship with us. We serve a God who's going to help us not be so burdened by life. In Genesis 29, uh, it, it tells us 
this. It's this kind of a complicated story that doesn't necessarily turn out all that well. But it tells us that Jacob served seven years to get his wife, Rachel. He was getting approval um, of her father. But they seemed only a few days to him because of his love for her. This is a great wedding verse, right? It's amazing. Jacob served seven years. They seemed like only a few days because of his love. And yeah, this doesn't really turn out all that well for them. That's another story for another time. We can just pause right here. And this ultimately, I believe, is what the scriptures are telling us, that life should be like, that as we pursue God, as we position our heart more to be like Jesus, our lives should have a lightness to them because we are walking in love. Sometimes Christians can be the bitterest people, and I'm, I don't understand how that's possible. But we pursue God with all of our hearts because of the invitation into love. So for Jacob, it just seemed like a few days because he was walking in love. For all of us, we should position our hearts in that way to be attentive to the teachings of Jesus, to keep watch over your life, to watch the ways that you're going, to be aware of God's presence in your activities, to understand that love for God isn't just you loving this like being that isn't here. Love for God eventually it should affect how you love other people. There are teachings of Jesus that I think all of us, every single day, we could keep a little bit better watch of, right? Something like forgiveness, which is so incredibly hard, and it's countercultural. It's completely like different mindset. But if you could keep your eyes on the forgiveness that God calls us to, whether that's through a song, a hymn, or a scripture or something that just dwells so you can walk in that journey, and forgiveness for you might today be that you hate that person just a little bit less. But you continue on that path and you keep watch because it's who God has called you to be. Or something like grace, understanding that you have received the grace of God. You know your darkest sin, you know your darkest place, but even there you have received grace. Keep an eye on that, right? Or generosity, it's so easy for us to to live with like tight palms and clenched fists over what we have and to not be generous and not use our time or our money to bless other people. And God says, don't live like that. Do you want to live like it's just all yours and one day you're you're just going to have to give it up one day anyway, so just be generous now. Jesus tells us, don't worry which is probably enough sermon for the day, right? Just don't worry. Think about the birds of the air. Think about the flowers. Don't live with anxiety. Just keep your eyes on the teachings of Christ. Let that somehow be a way that informs your every single day because it's not that God is waiting to zap you. It's because you are invited into a better life, a life with less anxiety and less fear. I think all of us have one teaching, at least, 
from Jesus that we need to put our hearts back onto, right? And what is that for you today? What would you say is something that you have that you just need to say, all right, you know, it's, it's a struggle. I'm having some hard times loving that person or, you know, I'm, I'm struggling in this area. God, let me just put my eyes back on your teaching. Let me allow you to inform me. And it's because God is good that we do this. It's because God has good things planned for us. It isn't motivated by us like trying to earn God's grace. I, I love the older brother in, in the story of the prodigal son who says to the God figure basically, all these years I've slaved for you. And the father's like, everything I have is yours. Is this why you've been showing up? You're invited to live in such a better way with a different posture. I, I love your, your brother who was far, but I love you just the same. This is the God that we serve. My question for you this week is what teaching of Jesus do you need to put your heart and mind towards? What teaching you need to think about and reconnect with? Because God is a good God who desires good things for us. May we live like that's true and celebrate that. We're going to sing a song now about the goodness of God. But as we do that, I hope that you will consider what is an area of your life that you need to keep watch and watch out for again. And once again, center yourself on the love of Christ. Let's pray. God, may we truly have our hearts changed by your teaching. You are a good, good Father. May our hearts just come before you truly in humility. May we let you lead us. Let us allow your love to be what we live from. Your sons, I pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship.